Go ahead and take your Bibles, please, and turn to the book of Matthew in chapter 6. We want to round up the sermon that we started this morning. Matthew in chapter 6. We want to talk about now the fact that after we talked about that this all is about the intimacy of God, and I really believe prayer is, again, now please, I hope I've made it clear, but I just feel like I need to say it one more time. It's so important that we understand that when I say that prayer is about intimacy, it's not only about intimacy, but that a large part of prayer is knowing God personally. Because as you know God more intimately and personally, you do learn to trust Him more. And in, pr- in our prayer life, that's just hugely important. It's hugely important that there's a God up there that loves us and that we can trust and believe in. And so that led us then into verse number 13, where Jesus said these words after saying, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then he says that magic word we've all been waiting for, give. Dwayne, I've been waiting all day, I've been waiting for two weeks in prayer about the give part. And what Jesus does is phenomenal because he says, give us this day our daily bread. Now, now this, this, again, probably for us, this doesn't mean a whole lot if you take it at face value. But if you've ever been to Africa, it means a whole lot. Because believers in West Africa, who, by the way, have had the most rain in one season than they've had in 26 years. Um, we heard from the Hessling e- email that grass, the guy says the grass is so high, he has to go through it with a camel. And our prayer is that God will be magnified and glorified through the rain that's come in West Africa. But for many of the believers there, and truly, really, for all the people there, is that they don't know often where tomorrow's meal is going to come from. They, they do not know. And so this would have been very significant for a person like that. But I promise you this, the Jews fully understood. For the Jewish people that were listening that day, they fully understand when Je- understood when Jesus said, give us this daily bread. Because they often did not know where their daily bread was coming from the next day. So it's a very valid thing. But something else happens. And this is where it really comes home for us. Because they were taught. They were taught from the time they were children about a time that their Heavenly Father provided Bread for them. They were taught from a time when God brought them out of Egypt and parted the Red Sea and went in there in the desert that God met their need. And they were told about a substance that they later called manna. And every day they would go out and pick up manna from the earth that God had provided. It fell with the dew that God had provided. And and then they would take that and they would only gather a day's worth because the law was this. God had said this, only gather a day's worth. If you gather more, it's going to stink and rot and get worms. Except for on Friday, which was before the Sabbath, and then said you can gather two days worth. And so every day, the Jewish people would go out and they would gather this manna up. And as they did, and you remember this from the Elijah series, as they did, it became part of their day that they go out and they say, look, God has provided our daily bread. And they would take it and eat it. And they'd go out the next day and the next day and the next day. It became part of their, their genre of day, their, 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 the type of day that they had, the, the, the mouth of their day. They would say, you know, God is faithful and God is good. God is faithful and God can be trusted. God provides our daily bread. And I have a feeling what Jesus was talking about here goes far deeper than God just give me my food for the next day. 
He's teaching us to depend on Him. Teaching us to depend on Him. And again, if you're going to depend on something, someone in faith like that, it has to begin with trust. It has to depend with intimacy. You have to know that person and know that person well to know the intimacy of knowing my, my friend, my God will provide this need. That God is faithful and God is good and God is faithful and God can be trusted. Now, here's the good part. This is where all of those other concerns... Remember the ones that Jesus said? You know, let God know about those. Just don't make it the large bulk of your prayer time being telling Him something He already knows. Don't spend all of your time telling God about this and about that because He already knows. But there is a time to let Him know those concerns. And so, along with give us this day our daily bread, let your needs and concerns be known to God. And I kind of jotted down some quick notes here, but I think it needs to be preferenced by something. As you list those concerns, uh, first off this. I, I would approach it as God if. And if not, that's okay. God if. God if it's in your will that you heal this person. God if you do. But God if you do not. I fully trust you. God, you know I need, I feel like I need this job. And I'm asking you, Father, to give this job. However, if it's not in your will, I want you to know something. It's okay, God. Your deal over my deal. And that changes the way we pray. Because again, I have a stinging suspicion. Yes, I know. I think it was Hezekiah who prayed and got 15 years added to his life. I'm I'm aware of a few examples where God may have changed his mind about things. But the bottom line is, this heavenly, wonderful, loving Father has a great plan for us. And He can be trusted with our prayer concerns. So more than just saying, God, this is what I need. Say, God, this is what I need. This is what I think ought to happen. But God, if it doesn't, I want you to know I trust you. I open my Bible to Mark chapter 14. I referenced the Scripture this morning. I think Jesus gives us a great example of how we ought to handle prayer concerns. How we ought to handle those things that we need. Look, look at the example of Jesus. I mean, would you agree now that's a good example to follow? Sure it would be. Sure it would be. Listen, this is it. I don't use the, the marked version of the garden scene very often. And I was real man, when I read it, I said, yes, Lord, this is so good. Verse 32. Then they came to a place which was named Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. So he looks at the twelve and says, y'all sit here while I pray. But then he took Peter, James, and John. Now remember now we talked about we want 500 people praying for us. And there's nothing wrong with having people praying for us as long as they understand how we ought to pray. And that is, God, this is what we think we'd like to happen. But God, if not, we're okay with you. He took Peter, James, and John with him, his prayer partners, if you will, and he began to be troubled and deeply distressed. Now, notice the authenticity of here. You know, Jesus could have put a brave face and say, I want you to know what I'm about to face, guys. I'm not worried about it at all. I'm ready. I'm just ready for the cross. Look what he said. He said, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to death. Watch, stay here, and watch. Look at the authenticity of Jesus as he faces the cross and also as he gathers his prayer partners. I think we need to be honest in our prayer. Be be willing to be honest when we talk to God and talk to others about our prayer concerns. So he went a little bit further. He fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. So he's saying, God, if there is any way, now this is the Lord Jesus talking, if there is any way for the cross not to happen, I would like that. 
Is there any way, Father, that I don't have to face the physical death? And I think more importantly, if there's any way I don't have to become sin because I am holy God myself. If there's any way I don't have to face this, this sin debt on me, then, Father, I, I, I'm asking for that. But look what he says. And he said, here it is. Abba, Father. Daddy. I don't know how you feel about that, but I think that's phenomenal. That the Son of God calls the Holy Father, Daddy. Abba, Father. Dear Daddy, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. But nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. And I think in that, we have the prime example of how we ought to pray. All things, Father, all things are possible with you. And, and Father, this is, if it's possible for my son to be healed, for my marriage to be saved, um, for, for this to happen, for the career to be saved, for the position to be taken, Father, this. But, if not, thy will be done. Now, there was a time I used to hear people say, well, that's just a scapegoat for God. I'll come on. It's not either. It's how the Scripture teaches us to pray. That we need to be honest with God and say, God, I want this. I, I want the position. Father, I can see the extra money helping provide for my family. Uh, uh, God, I, I, I'm worried about my children. I would like this for my child. I, I want them to be rushed in the right sorority. But nevertheless, it's your deal over my deal. So, so do, we, do we have a prayer list, Blair, that says, give me? Yeah. We just don't make it the big deal. The big deal is our awesome, intimate relationship with God. And then when we bring those requests we, from authentic relationship, not mechanical words, okay, God, the preacher said, I mean, from authentic relationship, knowing that God, Father, is our Daddy, that He loves us, that He cares for us, He's all-wise, He's all-caring, He's all-loving, He wants what's best for us. Knowing all that, we say, God, it's your deal over my deal. Now, that's a radical way of praying. Amen? And I think it involves a deep faith in God. But I'm going to make a bold statement. I will just about guarantee you that your view of God and your view of prayer will be radically changed and strengthened if we'll do what the Bible says about prayer. And again, it's so counterintuitive. It's so opposite of what we think because, you know, when we're in panic when something happens, God is waiting and I need something. Whoa, he says, whoa, whoa, whoa. Acknowledge me as Father. Acknowledge me as God. How will my name worship me and trust me and believe in me? I think about times when we see our grandkids and they'll fall or hit their head or something and their world is just coming apart and they're crying, they're weeping and they run and grip the parents or the grandparents' leg and daddy, mommy, mama, papa. And that's our natural instinct to do. But God in His love just wraps His arms and says, Calm down. I'm here. I'm here. And, and, and listen, I, I may not work it out exactly what you, like you want, but I hope you'll trust me, knowing that I love you and knowing that I care for you. Isn't that awesome? Would you be willing to try that? Would you be willing to try that today? You say, well, Dwayne, I like the kind of the give me thing better. And that's cool, except for, one, I don't think that's exactly how Scripture lines it up. And, and two, 
there's so many questions left unanswered. And I think Jesus teaches in prayer to answer questions about prayer. So, so he says, give us this day our daily bread. There's that physical part. But listen, it goes further. There's the spiritual part. Look what he says. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. He says there's a spiritual part. Here's what's so important about this. Sin destroys intimacy. If you're in a marriage relationship and a, a sexual sin is involved in an affair, it destroys trust and intimacy. And what we've got to understand is, is that sin destroys that intimacy that we have with God. There have been times I'll be very candid with you, and I can look in the eye and say, no, I don't have any great hidden sins, you know, no pornography on the internet and junk like that. I'm just telling you, I know sometimes I just mess up. And there are times when I don't want to get on my face before God and pray because I know I've sinned. What, I could be sitting there the, on Monday, I could be on my face before God saying, God, you're so wonderful, and God, you're so awesome, and God, I love you, and God, you're so great, and God, I'm so grateful, and la da 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 and then that afternoon, I just blow it. And the same guy who couldn't wait to get on his face before God on Monday, dreads getting on his face on Tuesday. And what happened? Sin came in. Look what Jesus said. Have you ever noticed that? You know, you know, we have verse number 12, and then we have verse number 13, but then we got 14 and 15 that directly ties into the Lord's Prayer. He says this, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Whoa, what does that mean? Time out. And I'm telling you this, it's not talking about relationship. I wish I was more of a Greek scholar, but everything I read tells me very clearly, these scriptures are not talking about my salvation. It's talking about my fellowship with the Father. He's speaking back. Why is it so important we ask God to forgive our trespasses? Not for my relationship, but for my fellowship. If I refuse to forgive you, then my Heavenly Father says our prayer life, our intimacy is not going to be there. But if you forgive and I forgive, then our intimacy is restored. Listen to Ephesians and chapter 4 and verse 30 through 32. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed by the day of redemption. Paul says in the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind to one another. Tender hearted. Here it is. Forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. So in the prayer, Jesus says, and, and if, help us to forgive our debts, forgive our debts as we forgive men their trespasses, our, their debts. Now, how much do you want, Becky, how much do you want God to forgive you? How about ten times? We know women are mostly perfect, so ten should cover it, shouldn't it? Jonathan's going, oh, you got right. <laughs> how, many, how much do you want God to forgive you? Well, Paul says, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. As much as you want God to experience forgiveness in your life, to pass forgiveness in your life, you are to forgive others the same way. That's huge, guys. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. He tied verse number 13, verse number 11, and verse number 14 and 15 there. Don't miss that. Forgive us our debts 
as we forgive our debtors. And then he goes on and says this. And do not lead us into temptation. I think the Greek writing tool is called a litotes. I've got it written down on my old study Bibles. And, and, and it's, it's like, like if you're, a way of saying that something is, is, is far away, say, if it's not near, it's far away. And that's the Greek tool that, that Jesus is using here. When he says, lead us not into temptation, he's saying, lead us away from temptation. If you're not leading us to, you're leading away from temptation. Another act of intimacy and trust. It's trusting God to direct our paths. Trusting God to direct our paths. You are so tired of hearing about my arm. But that was a big deal to me. Because I am a class A number one whiner. Okay? Again, the same guy who preached to you about faith on Sunday could have something like that happen on Tuesday. Where's God? Where's God? Where's God? It was so huge for me. Because God taught me so much through this. He knew before the foundation of the world was laid that I'd show up on a Monday night at a place I didn't really need to be, did not know, it was, I wasn't even supposed to be there. He knew I was going to lift a pan out and the pan was going to collapse and it was going to scald my arm. He knew about that. Now, I would have prayed, God, that bean thing, let's not let it happen, okay? But he knew. Now, I'm going to look you dead now and tell you something. I wouldn't trade it. If I, and I mean this, if I could rearrange Tuesday night again to where the bean accident didn't happen, I would not change a thing. Because I learned things about me and God that only could have happened with this. It's trusting God into intimacy to rearrange your life. One of my favorite scriptures, I, I just thought I wouldn't miss the, miss the quote up. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down. For the Lord upholds him with his hand. How are your steps ordered? How are your steps ordered? By the Lord. By the Lord. We, we got home from St. Louis. And we go and, and get in our car and we drive two hours home. I get home and I smell antifreeze. I said, gee, I smell antifreeze. But I didn't see anything leaking. By the time she drives the van, the church, 24 hours later, there's steam coming out of the hood. I believe my father arranged that. It could have happened halfway between St. Louis and Harrisburg, on the side of the road, tired from coming from New Mexico. My father didn't avert the broken hose. They made sure it happened where we could easily get to a place of help. Did my father do that? I believe he did. Can I have a witness? Do you have instances in your life when you say, you know what, you're right, Dwayne. It could have been this way. Now, it was not something I would have ordered. I wouldn't have ordered a broken radiator hose. But you know what? God did arrange it so it happened a certain way. And for the outcome, the results. Wow. Thank you, God. So, Lord, I trust you. Direct my path. I, I'm watching the clock because I told the kids I like to go eat some ice cream after church. I've got to tell you my story real quick. Again, arbitrarily, out driving on Tuesday, Judy's in a meeting. I'm in, I'm in New Mexico. There's only two million people in the whole state. So I'm in the middle of nowhere. And, and I drive and see an open gate and turn down this gravel road. Go like a two miles, and there's a trailhead, and I stop. 
And, and I get out of the car and I'm, I'm walking down this trail not knowing where I'm going and I hear this elk bugling. And then I hear what seems to be a closer bu- elk bugling around a corner and there's a couple sitting there. And, and I sit down, you know, and we're talking softly, you know, and about that. And he mentions, you know, what do you do for a living? I'm a pastor. Oh, really, he said. And I don't ever make a big deal of that. Just kind of let it slide. And, and he, we stood up, you know, and he said, would you like to, um, to pray over us? I said, yeah, I'd really like to do that. And he said, well, can I tell you what to pray? <laughs> I said, sure. You know, I'm sorry. I said, you know, are you believers? And they said, yes. I said, what? He goes, well, I just got back from Beijing, Beijing China. He said, I've been out of work, and we're down to $10,000 in our checking account. And I'm an airline pilot. And I, I mean, I had all the qualifications that, that they were looking for. And I should have been the number one candidate, and some guy less qualified got the job. And I'm trying to trust God. And I'm able to share it. His name was Ron. I said, Ron, dude, listen, I don't know what God's doing, but I know you can trust your Heavenly Father. And I want you to know, He knows that you've got $10,000. And then he says this, he goes, well, the job would have taken me away from my family for 26 days a month. I said, dude, don't slug me, but I think I know why you didn't get the job. Because the Heavenly Father knows better. So pray for Ron and Andrea. And Andrea was a flight attendant. He was the pilot, and their kids' names are Jet and Sky. <laughs> but imagine now, imagine this happening in the middle of nowhere. I mean, we are in wilderness, come across two believers who, a guy and a woman who needs someone to pray with them. Did God arrange it? I absolutely believe it with all my heart. Lead us not into temptation, and then deliver us from the evil one. Protect us from the evil one. And I'm so glad that the one we pray to is so much larger and stronger than the evil one. Amen? Let's see these two verses real quick. Psalm 27.1 The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Psalm 56.3 Whenever I am afraid, I will trust in you. And, and when Jesus says, keep us away from the evil one, He's saying, be my protector. In a crazy, crazy world, be my protector. And in that intimacy and that trust, we believe that He will and that He can. Now, just quickly... Just for a thought, I asked David, you know, perhaps your translation of the Bible does not have verse 13b, the last part. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You know, the bottom line is this, that that's included in the New King James, it's included in the King James and some other translations. But when those Bibles were translated, that's what they found. But they found an older, in fact, multiple more ancient manuscripts that does not have that in there. Evidently, a scribe added that in. doesn't change anything. doesn't make the Bible more authentic or less authentic. It just simply says that probably a scribe added that as a doxology. Very strongly, the Luke version of this, when Jesus taught later, does not include, for thine is the power and the glory. doesn't matter one way or the other. It's just a historical note. The bottom line is the Bible can be trusted. So Jesus just simply ends the prayer. But he says this, he says, he says, um, and do not listen to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. End of prayer. And Jesus says, now, now this isn't a formula. It's just a guide for prayer. Spend time in your closet. Get to know my father, your daddy, in a more intimate way than you ever have. Worship him. Invite his kingdom his kingship into your life and his kingship into the lives of others. Realizing your kingdom come is a missional statement. It's an invitational statement that God, I invite you in my life 
to be my king. And God, because I trust you, I'm dependent on you for my daily needs. I'm dependent on you for my marriage, for my children, for my career, for my job. But, but God, I want you to know something. That you're far more wiser than I. And this is what I think I like to see happen. But God, I want you to know something. That that's not your plan. It's okay with me. Because it's always your deal over my deal. And, and, and Father, forgive me and help me to forgive others. And drape my paths. And lead me. And God, protect me from the evil one. Because I'm depending on you. Would you bow your heads, please? I hope this has been helpful to you. I I went home and told Judy, and I want you to hear my heart tonight. I love teaching the Word of God. And I know I'm weak in some areas. I want you to know I don't claim to be a good teacher. I love teaching the Word of God. But I've got a feeling, guys, this is huge. I've got a feeling that if we will apply the teachings of Jesus, it can radically change our lives and our prayer lives and our relationship and fellowship with our Father. So, Dwayne, what do you think we all do with this? I mean, that's a lot of knowledge, and it really goes against really how I pray now. Try it. Try it. Spend some time worshiping the Father, getting to know Him more intimately. I do challenge you to pray back the Word of God sometimes. Verses, chapters, even. How much time, Dwayne? How much time do you have? And then that will prepare you for the part where it says, Your kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as in heaven. Father, not my deal, but your deal. I'll prepare you for that. And it will help you prepare to depend, to lean, to trust your God. And it will change the way we view life. Let's pray together. Father, in Jesus' name, I just want to thank you for the privilege that is ours God, that we can call you Father. In fact, we can call you Daddy. I praise you for that. Jesus, thank you for the wisdom and giving us this wonderful thing, this model prayer. Father, thank you that you recognize, Jesus, you recognize that maybe we don't know how to pray, even though we've been doing it all our lives. Maybe there's some things we still need to learn about prayer. Thank you for that. And Father, as we go into our time of invitation, if there's any needs... Father, need to be prayed about here at the altar or any decisions need to be made. Father, we uh, certainly invite you to be a part of that tonight. And then, Father, as we're dismissed in a few moments, as we go, Father, the way that you direct us, we go, Father, depending and leaning on you. And, Jesus, we pray this in your precious name. Amen. Hey, I'll be standing down front for any decisions.